good day, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Apostle Lewis here with you with this week's uh, voice. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for joining our podcast today with uh, me, Apostle Lewis T. Sam from Jacksonville, Florida. And I want to talk to you about um, where the church needs to go from here. You know, there's a lot of people who are really confused. This week, I, in the last week, I received a bunch of phone calls uh, from people asking me questions, apostles and prophets alike, of how come we didn't see this? We didn't see this in the spirit. We didn't see that, you know, yes, Donald Trump was going to win the election, but he was going to ultimately uh, be cheated out of it. And I do believe that. I do believe he did win the election. I do believe when you stop counting votes at 10 o'clock at night, um, systematically in key states. In other words, it wasn't just one state that did that. Several states did that, and um, that's a that's an effort. That's that's uh, suspicious on its own rights. And it ain't the first time an election has been uh, cheated on. Um, this has gone back uh, way way before I was even born. So um, it's something that uh, we will have to figure out um, if we are going to um, ever. Um, trust the government again. And I, I really don't have a great trust for the government, um, and nor should you. And I, and I want you to understand that neither did our founding fathers. They certainly did not trust the government. As a matter of fact, um, they were very um, troubled with the fact they needed to start a federal government and how to restrict it from becoming tyrannical. Because they had studied uh, political science. They had studied governments. These were not uneducated men. They were men that um, had looked into the um, um, eons of times past in governments and all forms of governments and tried to figure out how can we create a government that will not um, um, become tyrannical. And they, they ultimately knew. They ultimately knew it eventually might become that. They they certainly did try their best. And it's this isn't the first time that our government has gone off the rails. We had Drew Scott decision, which, you know, it was it's amazing if you study out the Constitution and study out what the founding fathers were trying to do when they wrote it to squeeze out and change the mindset towards slavery, because it's not as much as the federal government could even sit there and say, that's it. They were trying to squeeze it out and um uh, John uh, Calhoun was a great um, speaker, and um, he became our vice president, but he almost held every high position except for the presidency and the government. And he persuaded a lot of people that slavery was a good thing. It was like men can't be free. And it, it began that whole, you had this idea that some people, number one, don't deserve to be free and can't manage their lives if they are free. And, you know, where I would sit there and say that's true, some people have a real difficult time managing their lives. I don't believe that gives anyone else the right to manage it for them unless they willingly say, I need help. In other words, I, I don't think that, um, you know, a government should be the one that uh, ultimately does that. And then the other thing I, I think that we have to understand is that our, our founding fathers uh, were not all Puritans. They were not... Um, um, you know, um, <clears throat> they were not uh, all this uh, like perfect beings, that so to, so to speak. Um, 
uh, in this thing. I think that we need to understand that. I think we understand that the, they understood that man would fall to its lowest level uh, if given the opportunity. And, you know, there was no utopia mindset amongst our founding fathers of America. There is no utopia mindset, even, even necessarily in, in the Bible, um, even though we should strive for Christ. I mean, um, Paul, this is why Paul does say in Romans 13 that authority is given for the transgressor. Authority is not given, um, law was not given for those who love. Law was given for those who don't love. And so that's the first point I want to make of what we have to guard ourselves in this hour is that we love. And that does not mean that we agree. That does mean that we alter our message. That does not mean that we don't preach the truth. It just means we love. We love the Lord. I, I, I asked this question. There's actually four levels of love that we are to love. We are to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, soul, mind, spirit, everything we can do. We live, move, and have our being in God. And we are to love him with every ounce of our breath, every word we speak. We are devoted uh, wholeheartedly to not just loving him, but obeying his commandments. And we'll talk about that in a second. Then it says to love thy neighbor as thyself. And so I, I think the next awakening or next step of love that you need to have is loving yourself. Because um, in a society which um, right now wants um, everyone to hate themselves so they can reshape you into their image. I mean, this is the whole white guilt thing. And you hear even leftists, not liberals, leftists, going that we need to send round up children of Trump supporters and bring them into re-education camps. They don't realize that, they're, that, that when they were calling Trump Nazi, this is what Marxists do, this is what communists do, this is what Nazis do. They torture you until you agree with what they uh, believe. And, you know, it will, you know, it's going to backfire because that's not going to happen in America. You, you might think it's going to happen. They might try it in America. But I got a feeling there's going to be a real pushback on that. So I don't think that's going to happen. That's just, uh, there is a lot of kook. There is more um, kooks uh, on the left than there are on the right. Let me put it that way. There's kooks on the right. So you have to avoid the extremes because the extremes is where you get into wild conspiracy theories, wild, um, uh, um, you know, things. And, you know, they sound good. They appeal to the um, anger and they appeal to hatred. It's not love. And it's a very dangerous thing. Remember the church that church, listen, we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We are to bring light to dark places. We are to preserve. That's what the salt does. Uh, we are to preserve the earth. We are to um, um, work our darndest, you know, to keep civilization together until Christ comes. Because without the church, to be honest with you, yes, the civilization would fall apart. We can already see this falling apart in high leftist areas like L.A., New York and stuff that uh, we see it falling apart in St. Louis and Philadelphia and, and societies are crumbling there. Don't make, make no mistake about it. They are absolutely uh, crumbling in those areas. And it's, it's, it's sad to watch. It's... Um, um, you know, there's so much hatred, racism, and it's, by the way, it is both sides racism. It's not just white, black, it's black, white, it's black, Mexican, black, uh, Korean, black, you know, that, you know, people don't realize that the blacks and Koreans didn't get along. And I mean, racism is not just white and black. It's not a black, white issue. It's a, 
I'm different than you issue and I hate you. And if, if, and uh, why I hate you? Well, I've got some perceived idea that you're not human or um, you hate me, so I hate you. And the church has to be very careful not to enter the spirit of this world and not be um, consumed by it because that's really important. Um, and then love love our neighbors. And then the 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 fourth one is one that is more difficult, and that is love your enemies. Now, I want to talk about loving our enemies doesn't mean... Um, um, love does not mean that I, when I love you, it doesn't mean that there are no boundaries. It doesn't mean it's unconditional. It doesn't mean that. It means I make a choice. This is something people have, a, you know, we hear words like agape is unconditional love. And that's not really true. I mean, there is a condition in the love. Okay, there are things you can do to turn away God. There are things you can do where God turns you over to darkness. Romans chapter one certainly talks about it. And this, like I can do, I can do whatever I want, and God loves me, isn't always true. Like when we do evil, God does not love evil. He hates those who sow division. These are things that He hates, you know. And we, we have trouble with those things because we, we, God is love, and He is, but we don't think God has a hate side. In other words. We think God is a one-sided coin. And Paul warns us to behold the goodness and the severity of God. And that is sometimes difficult for a church who, who um, you know, preaches love, which we should, but we never read the books of like James, Jude, um, Romans chapter 1, um, you know, some of the tougher writings, 1 Corinthians 5 and 6. We don't, we don't read those tougher elements. But this is what Proverbs says. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination, a proud look, a lying tongue, uh, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. I, I want you to know something, that God does not love those people that do these things. And some people think because of the cross, um, somehow God changed. And, and really, no, God didn't change. His, his judgment for, for on breaking of the covenant, all the seven covenants prior, was that someone had to die for these sins, and he went and paid that price. Jesus paid that price. But if you think that there is not wrath coming to those of disobedience, the scriptures clearly speak of that. And I think that the church needs to get a little bit more rounded in its education on scripture. And, you know, um, to think that God just, you know, oh, he loves the person who committed 800 murders. You know, it's just like he loved Hitler. I'm not sure he did. You know, I'm not sure he loved Hitler, and and I'm and I'm not gonna speak for God. You go well, he loves everybody. Well, he hated Esau, and so that's my problem with the love everybody message. I, I, I would I would lean towards he he his love's available, but you know Romans one talks about he just kind of gives up. You know, God just says that's enough. You you keep going after this wicked thing, and I'm just I'm done. You know, it says that if we trampled on, in Hebrews it says, if you trampled on the blood of goats and bulls, how much more if we trample the blood of Jesus? Um, I, I don't think we um, really understand that. that. That God's got, uh, I always say, like, God, 
Um, God has a place where um, enough is enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, um, no, there's a place where God goes. Enough's enough. God's not uh, in this place where it doesn't matter what you do. And I'm just going to tolerate it. God doesn't tolerate it. He did in the past. It says that in Acts 17 that he tolerated this. But now he calls all men to repentance. You know what that means? The, the, the season of toleration is over. And we need to understand that. We need to have a really understanding that um, uh, God, um, God has a limit to evil. God has a limit to um, um, to how much we can kind of push him uh, uh, and and see where grace can be found. Um, and, and we have to understand that his mercy uh, is on who he chooses. It's not on everybody. He has mercy on whom I have mercy, compassion on whom I have compassion. He does have mercy on everybody. He eventually will deal with it. And I think that is is um, something that is frightening, and it should be. I mean, there should be um, there should be a level in us that is frightened with that we can do whatever we want in a way and think that there's no consequences because nothing can be farther than, from the truth, and whatever we do uh, is okay with God. I I hate that that kind of teaching because it, Jesus says if you teach one child to break the littlest parts of this law, you know, I, I think that that is really scary to me how we do this. So let's talk about some things. Does What does it take to be a Christian? What, what does it take? Well, it depends what level you want to be at. Um, number one, I want to tell you that my feeling is praying a prayer is not sufficient enough to be a Christian. Now, I'm going to get a lot of pushback on this. But the Bible clearly teaches water baptism. And for 80% for of the church, water baptism is an option. It's not an option in Scripture. It's not just an act of obedience there's a spiritual force that many people avoid today. And I, I do this in other teachings, so I'm not going to do it here in the podcast. I, I often, I also think that people think the Holy Spirit is an option, but it's not because Romans chapter 8 says that the spirit of adoption, Paul says, if you don't have the spirit, you're not his. So the Holy Spirit is not an option. Um, I think what we have made in uh, churches an option um that it's wrong. It's just wrong. And so I think we need to back off from that kind of belief system and stop making so many things in the Bible an option, which is what many people uh, do. They, um, they literally um, kind of make it like it's okay. Like God, God's not, he's not really, you know, um, um, you know, God's not really that strict. Like, okay, let's let's take the let's take some of the controversial topics. 
Okay. I'm going to tell you some things that I hate. I hate that they're so welcomed in the church in a way. Um, now, and, and I'm going to tell you my feelings on them. One is um, sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is a real deal. Okay. Sexual, uh, it's a real deal that it was one of the things that the the apostolic council in Jerusalem sent um, Peter or sent Paul and Silas away with, and they didn't give them too many things to do to the church and to the Gentiles. Remember, they didn't have a Bible, so uh, they weren't about to teach them all the rules right away. But these were the main ones that they wanted them to obey. Now, Paul does a great job of laying down holiness and stuff to new believers and those who are new to any of the teaching in the kingdom. But verse 28, chapter 15 of the book of Acts says, For it, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to, uh, to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Say necessary things. For it seemed good that we don't lay anything on you except for these necess these are necessary things. That you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, in other words, don't eat and drink blood, okay? Uh, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these things, uh, you will do well. Now, you, you have to um, appreciate that they are sending this out to Gentiles or Gentile believers in a world where homosexuality is, um, so now you have to you have to think and you have to like use the brain a little bit here. This is something that um, a lot of modern people, uh, Christians, don't believe. Like, well, you know, they weren't saying homosexuality is wrong. Well, what was sexually immoral to um, the Jews, to the early Christians? Did they believe that because of Christ? Certainly that can't be the way, because Paul certainly didn't believe that homosexuality was okay. He doesn't believe a guy should be with his uh, stepmother, let alone home, man, man, woman, woman. And um, so I, I think that it's important that we, we don't um, uh, alter this thing to make it fit our, um, what I would say is uh, the temptation to make it fit so we don't, um, we don't have any um, uh, conflict with our Rasa. The word, the word immorality means um, harlotry, including adultery and incest. Okay, um, act of a harlot, indulge unlawful lust or either sex. In other words, what was it that the apostles? Ask yourself, what was the apostles? view on sex. It was that only between a husband and wife in the confines of their marriage, between only the husband and wife in the confines of their marriage. It meant that, you know, people often sit there and say that Jesus never addressed, or the, and, and they even say the New Testament didn't address it, which is so wrong. Alan Dershowitz, who's a great civil rights lawyer and a Jew, is completely wrong when he comes to New Testament, and he should stay in his lane because he is uneducated in this matter. And, um, but the Bible does. When, when they said this, what do you think Paul was teaching? Was he teaching homosexuality was okay? Absolutely not. 
Okay, and his argument is, well, he, you shouldn't have adultery either. Yes, I agree with that. I absolutely do agree with that. I have a big problem with adultery. I do. Um, I think it will absolutely wreck your life. And, you know, I come from a family that I was the baby, and at 16, my father got caught, and it, and it destroyed our family. It literally did. And it never really fully healed. Um, and that's because it's hard to heal that. It's, it's hard to heal that kind of betrayal. My mother um, somewhat maybe forgave him. I really can't tell you, but, you know, I mean, uh, it just brought a, a great pain in our family, and, and that's what adultery does. But I, I also want to say this. I don't think that when Jesus said, unless for sexual morality, you shouldn't divorce a man, um, I've had pastors say some really stupid stuff, but here's what I would also tell you. I would tell you that... Um, that if if you're in an abusive relationship, that you need to get out of it. Like how how many times should a woman or a man get beaten, or how how abusive verbally should a woman or man stay in that relationship? It's it's um it's a really difficult time to do that, and so I think that we need to understand that um. Uh, that those things need to be answered, but I, I absolutely abhor adultery, especially when there's kids involved. It's like, but I've also seen parents stay together. And, the, you know, I had a friend who was a very um, devout Baptist, went to church all the time, really good guy, just the most soft-spoken guy I know. And after 26 years, all of a sudden he's getting divorced. And everyone's thinking, what's going on? And me and him went to lunch and he said, he literally looked me in the eye and said, um, my wife has been beating me for 26 years. She's violent. And um, that shocked me. It was the first person I ever heard said my wife was beating me. And women can be just as, as abusive, not as likely to be abusive. Let me, let me take that. Let me correct that. They can be as abusive, but the likelihood is men are more aggressive. So they're more apt to be the abuser. It's like 60-40. It's not a big you know, we're talking 10%, you swing it, it's equal. So it's not a huge difference, but it is that men are more aggressive. That's why there's more men in prison than women. And unfortunately, women are trying to escalate their manhood, I think, and becoming more violent. You see it on YouTube videos and TikTok videos and Instagram photos, and women are becoming more violent, and that's not a good trend at all. So... Um, and, and I think homosexuality, now how do we handle that in a world, by the way, it's going to it might come down to the point where you're told you can't preach that. And what we're going to have to do is hold that line. Say, look, I will love everyone uh, who is a homosexual. I'm not, I don't hate them. I want you to understand that. But my job is to preach the truth and to not compromise that truth. And if you should take my life or you should take my house, fine. You know, but I'm not going to... I'm not going to, uh, and I'm not going to go, but I want, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to go online and do a video of why homosexuals should all die or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's not who I am. It's a sin like other sins. And yes, some people go, it's a worse sin. It is, uh, you know, if you go from the Old Testament, the real sin that we're 
that we're dealing with in the earth is that the Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin, sin because they do not believe in Jesus. And our job to the non-Christian is always to preach the gospel of the kingdom, the resurrection of the dead, and show forth it through the gospel being signs, wonders, healings, and miracles. You know, by the hands of the apostles, miracles were done. They gave great witness to the resurrection, that God confirmed their word with signs following. I mean, these are the kind of things that require in our preaching again. Um, and we have to go after that. And that that's, that's you know, not, that's why like Rod Harbonke and uh, Daniel McClendon and, and uh, people like Todd Bentley and uh, Benny Hinn as evangelists are amazing because they demonstrate that God's alive. They demonstrate that his son is uh, alive and well, and that uh, here we are, you know. And so I think that we need to understand that and have that kind of, um, and that kind of, you know, uh, fire in our belly, so to speak. I've had, you know, as an air traffic controller for almost 23 years, for over 20, I don't know if it was over, almost, whatever. Um, I actually quit the same month that I started air traffic control school. So, um, um, May, was it May of 83 to six? So 23 years. And, um, um, I had three of my best supervisors. I would tell you my best supervisors I ever had were all women. One in Iceland in the Navy. She was fantastic. Still friends with her today. I uh, hadn't seen her since 1984, and she was coming to Jacksonville to see the TPC. And we're, you know, she saw me on Facebook and said, hey, I'm coming to town. I'd love to have dinner. Me and her had dinner together. She was meeting up some girlfriends for the TPC. Um, taught me so much about air traffic control. Um, it really helped me, put me on such a great foundation uh, I won't use her name here, but she's a, she's a, she's a, a great person. She knows if she heard this, she'll know who it is. That I have so much admiration for her. She was one of my best supervisors. I had two women uh, in the uh, FAA. Uh, one's a very very close friend of mine, a Christian, a really strong Christian, trained in the prophetic with us. Um, and another one happens to be gay. Now, the one who happens to be gay, I I absolutely love her to death. I absolutely do. Um, and I prayed for her every day. And uh, in 2015, she told me, I think it was 2015, somewhere around there, she told me that um, she had given her life to Jesus. And um, I, I love her immensely. I love people. I just really do love people. And it's really easy to do that. You just make a decision to do that. Doesn't mean I want everyone around me and I want to be around everybody. I love them. Some bring great weeping to me because they're walking so contrary to God. And some, um, you know, the, I, I love them, but I have admiration for their walking out the Holy Spirit. I have admiration for people and their skill sets that they do. But, you know, as far as a preacher, um, I'm willing to suffer for Christ that that someone might come to Christ, you know, and, and do that. And But the church has to get back to it. And I've never compromised. I don't compromise this message. Anyone who knows around me knows I don't. But we're going to have to love. And that's going to be, and it's really important that we do because uh, it's, it's very tempting to pick up anger in this culture right now to get on your side. And I'm not saying as a patriot, as an American, I'm not, you know, I'm not going, oh, this, 
I don't love everything that the left is doing. I think the left is tyrannical. I think the left is demonic. I'm, I'm not talking the left. I'm talking liberals. I'm not talking Democrats. I'm talking the far left is in a spirit, just like the far right is. The, the white supremacists and all them are on this spirit of hate. I think that uh, I'm not pleased with Democrats, Republicans, because I think they've all just divided us so that um, we're not a, a nation united. You can't have any discourse anymore. And I think that uh, a lot of people in community have forsaken God and forsaken the church. And um, that is not necessarily the church's fault. I'm not going to blame the church totally for that. I mean, people just have, you know, um, uh, have to pursue God. However, I do believe the church should play a major role in their society, in their communities. And, and, and that starts with going after God as leaders and us doing that. And you have to make sure that you do not get to this point where you are angry all the time. It's going to be very easy to get angry all the time. You know what I mean? It's going to be very easy just to be ticked off. And you have to avoid that because the enemy does want you to get ticked off. The enemy does want you to... Um, feel angry and, and all that. I, I've had people, what we should do? And I said, look, I think our nation might be headed towards a civil war, whether it will look like 1861. I don't think so. But I think our nation is headed that way. That doesn't mean it can't be stopped. It doesn't mean it can't be avoided. But I said, a Christian should never be the initiator of violence. And and what, what I mean by that? It says, look, I, I am, I've got my family protected. We know how to protect ourselves, our home, our livelihood. We, we are doing that. We do that, okay? But I'm not going to go on the street and start attacking people. That We should never be the aggressors. And, and in 1775 and 76, we weren't the aggressors. We said no to tyranny, and tyranny had a chance. Back off or start a war. They chose to start a war. In choosing that war, we finished that war. We won that war for, through the providence of God. Now, and I think that as long as the church understands, you might have to. George Washington addressed the Quakers when they were writing the Constitution. The Quakers were like, we don't want to participate in a draft. And he said, look, I understand that. And I pray we never have to do that. But if we do, religious exemption is not an excuse. You're going to have to fight. George Washington was a Christian. He's like, I understand you. You don't want to be in a war. Neither do we, really. His, his attitude was neither do we. But if there's a threat on the nation, we need to uh, draft people, basically. There's there's no backing down. You can't live here and be a citizen and say, I'm not going to defend America. So, um, but, but again, it wasn't like, let's be the aggressors. Let's go and start stuff. Now, that's what the problem is with the, I feel, with the uh, neocons. And by there's neocons in Biden. In, in his administration, and there was some in Trump's. Trump was trying to, Trump wouldn't do it. Trump's the first president, I think, in my lifetime that wasn't involved in a war. That's stunning when you think about it. Maybe Carter, but Carter, we can object to that because Carter did some stuff. But we were the, we were literally the first. I mean, that's amazing. I don't think you've realized the wars Bush got us in, Obama got us in, uh, Clinton got us in. Bush 41 got us in. Reagan got us in. Reagan didn't do too much, but he did Grenada. He did um, Lebanon, and they were attacked. But again, the, you know, the, you know, he did do it. And you know, Nixon obviously, Ford yes, and and uh, Kennedy and Johnson. 
So, I mean, it's really it, it's really amazing that he, he didn't, you know, it doesn't mean that Donald Trump didn't believe in the military. He just didn't believe on starting wars, sending your sons to fight useless wars and dying for the country and make it sound like you died for something other than the wealth of, um, you know, the Cheneys and the Bushes and the, the Bidens. By the way, they all make money off those things. So, um, and McConnell's and Pelosi's and Schumer's, they all, they all make money off these things. And, and Trump wasn't for it. And that's one of the reasons why they just resisted them. There's a lot of wealthy people who want wars because they make money. They make money and they wanted them. So um, that's something, that, you know, you can look out for yourself. But um, I think that's important that the church really keeps, keep watch, watch your doctrine, as Paul told Timothy, guard it. Because, you know, it's easy for your doctrine to get weak. You know, you start, you know, you preach um, a message and your richest person in your congregation goes, I didn't like that message and I'm leaving. And you go, oh, I'm sorry. You know, please forgive me. I, and, and you change because your livelihood is tied to those people. And, you know, I've had people leave, you know, uh, I've had people who wanted me to hate other people in the you know didn't like other people and thought I should pick sides, um, and um, uh, and and they found out real quickly that I'm not that controllable. Yeah, I mean I I mean that means I've gone through some hard times in ministry, but I've come through them because I believe that when you don't compromise, God sustains you, even if it's Elijah sitting by a river and ravens have to bring you meat and bread. Then fine, so be it. But my, my goal in life is that when I die, that Christ does say to me, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. My One of my goals is never to have anything in my heart against somebody. In other words, have no unforgiveness in my heart towards people. Um, I can disagree with people and love people. The same this is really hard for people to understand. How I can love the fact that we do have a female vice president, I think that's a great thing in a way. I don't like any of the policies, I know, and I do believe they cheated to get there, but uh, I know there's a lot of women out there who are, like, absolutely excited that there's a female uh, in the White House. I'm not against females in the White House. That's the problem. That's the problem with identity politics. I'm against the policies. Um, um, I'm just against all of their policies. Now, I believe, because there was a prophecy in 2017 about Kamala, we'll see what happens with Kamala. We'll see if the Lord doesn't touch her heart and do something. I think she's in for a rude awakening. I think that she's in for, I think, look, um, that's where we should pray. We should pray for them to have an encounter with God. We should pray that um, that God speaks to them and and um, and stuff like that. So that's for another message. May I'll do another one tomorrow. Uh, this is going quite long, so I don't like doing that. But thank you for listening. Would you do me a favor? Would you share this podcast or go also on my YouTube channel? I am on Rumble. All these are under Lewis D. Santa Ministries. I'm on Rumble. I'm on Locals now. Uh, look for The Rev, T-H-E-R-E-V, Gate, G-A-T-E, uh, there. I'm also on uh, CloudHub. I do believe it's the same one. I'm on Gab. Uh, I'm, and me, me, we, we, me, whatever that one is, I'm on that one too. I'm on all these other platforms as well. Um, and the reason I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook and I'm on these things, uh, I'm, I'm going to build up all of these so that if they ever yank one, I have another five to go to. And Locals is 
one that I'm really interested in because I know the people that started it and they started it in 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 preparation for censoring. So I, I'm hoping that that one will continue. So uh, I love you guys. I will uh, be back with you. I might do another one in a couple of days, but you be blessed. And hey, if you want on Facebook, go say hello to Kathy, my wife. Um, it's our anniversary on the 23rd, 32 years. We are unplugging for a day, me and her, and um, we're going away for, for a day. And we have a wedding in two weeks, so we still have stuff to do for our son who's getting married on the 5th. And uh, But we're going to go spend uh, a little day together and a night together and just uh, enjoy our, our love and marriage to each other. We She's my best friend. And uh, I absolutely, someday I'll, I'd love to have her in here and just talk about the goofiness of our marriage um, how we've, um, you know, forgiven each other when we were learning, um, and, and how we've just, uh, you know, we have made, I feel a very joyful household in here. And, um, and maybe that will help you. It, it would, it might help someone who's getting married. She's so busy that it's hard for me to nail her down, but well, we'll see what we can do and do that. So God bless you guys. I love you and you have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.